Welcome to Meaning Over Money, a different kind of financial podcast where money is never about money. Welcome. Thank you so much for tuning in. We are so excited to have you here, and we hope that this adds some value to your journey. Now, we've been receiving a lot of questions from people that follow us on social, people that listen to the podcast, and we've asked for questions. We want to answer your questions because, again, this show is for you and about you. And so we start to pick up some some themes and some trends in the questions, and, and these themes aren't really different than what I experience day to day in my coaching and my speaking career. And so one of these questions has stood out, in, and I don't want to address it as part of a Q&A episode. I think this one needs to have its own episode, so we're just going to talk about it right now. And they're all kind of the same, and it's about people in your life criticizing your desired career or your passion or where you want to go. And I'm going to read one particular question that somebody wrote me. How do I deal with negative comments when I'm pursuing something I'm passionate about? This is easily one of the biggest tension points I see in people's lives. How do we balance our dreams and aspirations with the expectations and our desire to please those who we love the most. We, we may have a dream and a passion and something we desperately want to go do. However, there's expectations put on us by friends, by family, by teachers, by peers. And then we would desire to please those people. We want those people to be proud of us. We want them to be happy for us. How do we balance that? Now, this particular quote that I just read, what makes it especially hard for me is this is coming from a teenager. This is a youth group student of mine. And this is a 16, 17-year-old that already kind of knows where their passion, where their heart is. And they're going to they're gonna make a choice soon on what path they go down when they graduate high school and they, they choose a major or whatever that is. There's a choice that might come, a choice that has to come at least to start them on a path. It's not a choice of what they're going to do for the next 40 years, but they are going to go down a path very, very soon. And to already have people criticizing you for what you want to do, that's heartbreaking to me. But it's not surprising, and it happens all the time. Here's the thing. It's your life. You're the only one who gets to live it, and you're the only one who has to live it. And so you're inevitably going to live with the consequences of your decisions and your choices and what path you take. For better or for worse, you're going to live with those consequences and nobody else is. Now, I do find it a bit ironic that we're getting so much career advice, and we all get it, especially the younger people. I find it ironic, considering that 70 percent of Americans either dislike or they hate their job. So we're getting career advice from people all around us when they may hate their own job. And we each have our own unique passion and abilities. We have, we have the things that we're just super passionate about. And then we have things that we're just good at. We're super talented. And we, when we can combine those two in a way that's profitable, that's the win. Using our skills, in our passions, and being able to pay our bills and make a living doing that. That's amazing. And now these people in our lives, they mean well. Whether it's parents or siblings or friends or teachers or coworkers, whatever, they mean well. They do. 
they genuinely do mean well. They love us and they want the best for us. But they're also human. They're still human. They have their own baggage. They have their own problems. They have their own stuff going on. And I know this feeling of criticism and the negative comments all too well. So when I get these questions, it hits very close to home. For 15 years, I had a very traditional career path. And it was a high slope. It was a high trajectory career path. It was awesome. I did really well. And I was affirmed every step of the way because it was very normal. And then it eventually became very high paying. But two years ago, I completely shifted gears, a total 180. We took a 90% pay cut, my wife and I, for me to leave that career and go do something else. And after I announced my resignation and we were allowed to share it publicly, I asked my boss, I said, hey, would you mind, can I send my own email communicating my resignation to the team? And, and he, he was very gracious with me. I'm so, I'm so grateful for him to do this. But he said, yeah, go ahead and send something, Travis. You, you deserve that. And I said, awesome, thank you. So I put something together and I just explained what I was doing and why. And in about 24 hours, I received, I don't know, maybe 120 emails back. I was overwhelmed by the feedback. I received 120 internal emails of, from people just responding to my email, responding to what I was announcing. And there was a wide range of feedback. Most of it was really positive. It was. It was great. So much, so much encouragement in there. And then there was some negative stuff. And I actually, actually, I saved every single one of them. What I did is I copy and pasted every single email. I took the name out. So I don't even know who sent what, but I took every single email, all 120-some, and put them in a Word document, and I saved it. And at some point down the road, I'll probably go back and reread those and just kind of see what, what was said then. How was life actually played out? And there was one dude, a buddy of mine. I was, I was walking down the hallway a few days after my email, and he stopped me in the hallway. We just talked, and he said, hey, good luck, and everything. And he said something. It was super funny. He was joking, but I think he summed up what a lot of people were thinking. He said, Travis, you are either the dumbest person I have ever met or you have the largest set of balls on planet Earth. And I had a good chuckle. He had a good chuckle. He was joking, but he was serious. And I think a lot of people probably felt the same way at that time. Now, through some of the, the criticism, I got some pretty heavy criticism and negativity from people that I care deeply about, people that I trust deeply, people that I care what they think. And through it all, I, I tried not to take it too personal. It's hard. I didn't always do a great job, but I tried. But what I learned through this as I was trying to process, why are some of these people saying the things they are? And I think there was four things that really stood out to me of, of, I think they're coming from different places. And I think their comments are a representation of maybe their regret or their jealousy or their own past failings or their fear. Because when we take the road less traveled, when we do something that's different from the quote unquote normal, that really brings some of these emotions up to the surface for some people. Regret, jealousy, failing, their fears. They might regret not doing it themselves. 
Or they might be jealous that you're doing it and they're not. Or maybe they tried and they failed. And so they're projecting that failure onto you, saying, thinking to themselves, I don't want you to fail, Travis. Don't do this. I failed. I don't want you to fail. I don't want you to go through what I went through. And then sometimes it's fear. Sometimes people are scared because doing different things is scary. And so I think it's more of a representation of themselves than it is of me. And so if you're getting hate, you're getting criticism, think about that. Maybe give them a little bit of grace. Maybe. Maybe, maybe it's not about you. Maybe it is about them in some regards. It reminds me, I've heard so many stories of friends over, over the years of, that have dealt with their version of this. Just a week ago, my, my young friend Paige, she shared with a youth group about her journey of not doing the normal thing. She graduated from high school and everyone says, okay, now it's time to go to college. She took a, a gap year, did a nine-month mission trip. It was called the World Race. And I'll put that down in the show notes so you can see what the world, world race is. But it, it was three countries in two or three continents over nine months. It was a gap year program, just going and serving others, growing in your faith, growing in your, your servitude, and, and just trying to, to figure out, who am I? Where, do I? where am I called to be? And then she came back from that. And so everyone's like, okay, now it's time to go to college. And then she did something different. She extended her mission and was a leader for the ministry and she did that for a while. And so she's now coming on, she's coming on two years post high school, has not gone to college yet. Now, she has now since figured out where she wants to go and she's going to start some classes and go to nursing school. But nursing was not on her radar in any shape or form two years ago. Because when she told me she was thinking about doing nursing, shocked me. But that time was valuable for her. Just because she didn't take the linear path that the world says to take, it doesn't mean it's not right. It was right for her. may not be right for all of us, but it was right for her. Or I have another buddy who, he was at a family event and a family member, and he was, he was a small business owner. He had started his own thing, was trying to figure it out, and a family member asked him, when are you going to get a real job? Oof, that cuts deep. You're literally following your dreams and you're doing exactly what you're meant to be doing and you're loving it. And a family member, really inappropriately and completely out of place, says, or asks the question, when are you going to get a real job? Another one of my clients is doing something a bit unique. And somebody came up to them, a family member, and asked them when they're going to grow up and take life seriously. Ouch. Now, what this family member doesn't know is that this person is doing some amazing things. They have set a very strong foundation in their, in their finances. They have a plan, and they're going out and they're doing it. They're doing some amazing work. And they're probably better off than a lot of their peers and probably a lot of their other family members. But it looks different, and so it brings up the criticism. I have another friend who's a lawyer, and she is a significantly accomplished lawyer. And she's largely viewed as a failure in her own family because she's not a doctor. That hurts. She's extremely successful doing exactly what she wanted to do. And, and by all accounts, she's made it. She's made it by, by pretty much anyone's definition. But in some regards in her family, she's not a doctor, so she's not successful. That's ridiculous. 
This stuff can all hurt if we let it hurt. Now, I shared in a prior episode about the behavioral scientists trying to study what makes us happy. And I'm not going to dwell on it again. We talked about it in a different episode. But there are three things they found that, that drive happiness more than anything. Work that matters, authentic relationships, and generosity. Those three things scientifically drive happiness. Notice how money isn't on that list. Notice how getting a good-paying job isn't on the list. Work that matters, authentic relationships, and generosity. But I thought, I don't know, if we really want to know what people have experienced, shouldn't we go talk to some people that are much more experienced in this life thing than we are? If you're listening to this, maybe you're 25 or 30, 35, or even older. I'm, I'm nearing 40. So I've lived more life than some, but far less than others. Well, there was this, this woman named Bronnie Ware, and she was a hospice nurse. She took care of people that were in their dying days, making them comfortable as they, as they finish the remainder of their, of their life. And, and she did this amazing thing where over a period of time, she logged some of the the biggest regrets that these people shared. And these are older people. These are people that are probably 80s, 90s, even older. And these people would share what are their regrets. And so she logged them. And I'm going to link this thing that she posted. Uh, It was fascinating to me. And I'm going to read. She posted her five biggest regrets shared by people in their final days. And I'm going to go backwards in order. I'm going to start with number five, work it down to number one. And number one being the most common regret. So number five, I wish I had let myself be happier. These people realized that happiness, generally speaking, was a choice. There are things that made them happy. There are things that didn't. But they they didn't choose to be happy, and they wish they would have chosen more to be happy. Number four, I wish I had stayed in touch with my friends. That goes right back to the behavioral scientist authentic relationships. I wish I would have stayed in touch with my friends. I feel this one. I have so many friends that I've lost touch with over the years. Life gets busy. You get married. You have kids. Work is crazy. And I already regret this. I already regret this. I'm not even 40 yet and I regret this. So this is one I need to lean into. I'm reading this. That This is one of the biggest regrets of people in their their last days. I need to take this seriously. That's, That's one I need to think about. Number three, I wish I'd had the courage to express my feelings. Now, this is a much older generation. I think the younger generations are starting to figure it out, maybe to a fault, if you spend any time on social media. But being able to express your feelings, being able to be genuine and honest with where you're at. Number two, I wish I hadn't worked so hard. The number two biggest regret, I wish I hadn't worked so hard. And the author of this, she commented that almost every single male mentioned this. And it wasn't mentioned through the the lens of work is bad, but it was largely, based on my understanding, it was largely through the lens of they were chasing more income to chase a better lifestyle, and they regretted not just living a simpler life. Notice how they wished they would have toned down the lifestyle. They, weren't, they wished they wouldn't have pursued as much money. 
And then the number one, the number one biggest regret that this person recorded from her, her ongoing interactions with hospice patients. In the original question, the person who asked it, I hope you're listening. I hope you hear me on this one. The number one regret. I wish I'd had the courage to live a life true to myself, not the life others expected of me. I wish I had the courage to live the true, live life true to myself, not the life others expected of me. And I'm going to read the quote from this article. And this is a direct quote from, from the, the author. When people realize that their life is almost over and look back clearly on it, it is easy to see how many dreams have gone unfulfilled. Most people had not honored even half of their dreams and had to die knowing that it was due to the choices they made or didn't make. Man, they hadn't even honored half of their dreams and they were going to die knowing it was their own fault. That is heavy. That feels heavy to me. And so as we're thinking about our path and our journey, we have one life to live. It is not a long life. It may feel long, but it goes fast. It goes too fast. We need to make sure we're, we're following our passions. We're using our giftedness to do the work that matters to us Regardless if it pays a lot, if it pays little. Regardless of if it's trendy or sexy in the eyes of of society or if it's not. Ultimately, we're the ones who have to make that call because we're the ones who have to live with the consequences of those choices. And if all these people in in their dying days, in their final days of life, are saying their biggest regret is that they wish they would have lived a life true to themselves and not the life others expected of them. Maybe we need to really think about that and think about our choices. But again, it's not easy. I, I feel that. I feel that all the time. I felt it when I shifted my career. I felt it before that. I felt it after that. And so we just have to decide what's really important. And we don't want to dishonor the people in our life that love us. We don't want to do that. You know, if, if our mom and dad say, hey, I don't, I don't think you should do that. I, I, think, I think that's stupid. I think you should go do this thing over here. We shouldn't say, like, F you, mom and dad. Let's not do that. Let's not do that. But we have, to, we have to show them some grace. We have to have some boundaries. We have to love them. But we have to stay true to ourselves as well. So I hope that helps. And if you have any questions, if anybody has questions, reach out to us. Meaning Over Money podcast at gmail.com. You can find us on social, Meaning Over Money, or me, Travis Shelton. You can find our video course for young adults where we teach how to live for the meaning and not for the money at meaningover.money. And you can also find our YouTube channel. But we would just love to connect with you wherever you're at, however best suits you to connect with us. We want to hear from you. What did you think of this episode? What other questions do you have? Have you experienced this? Have you experienced this sort of criticism, negativity? How have you handled it? How, how can others learn from what you've experienced so that they can go thrive in their own journey? So thank you all so much for listening. Take care, guys. <laughs>